Amen. All right, so for <clears throat> several months now, we've been talking about uh, and, and learning about what it means to follow God and, and follow His in His footsteps and follow His example and, 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 and you know, to, to be, to draw closer to God and be more like God. Well, to do that, maybe we need to understand who God is, you know, that, that He is that one and, and only God. And he's the, the holy and true God. And, and that's the one we want to follow because there are other gods in this world. And we need to make sure we're not following the wrong one. As that will be very detrimental to you. So let's start off. Let's look in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 23 and 24. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me. Who's he talking about? That he understandeth and knoweth the Lord. That I am the Lord, not a Lord, the Lord. That I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For these things, for in these things, I delight, saith the Lord. There's a lot in that verse, right? So let's just break a little bit of it down. It says that, that you glorify, you, you glorifieth in, in the understanding and the knowledge of God. Okay? That's what you're supposed to glorify it in. Not what you can do, but what he does. And then it goes on to say that this Lord, this Lord, he exercises loving kindness, <clears throat> excuse me, judgment, which is justice, right? And righteousness, and where does he where does he exercise that in the earth? So he 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 exercises that on us and with us, right? And through us, if you're Christians, and it says because why? Because the Lord delights in these things, right? So this is the Lord that we need to know, and and to know this Lord, we need to look at His attributes. And what are attributes? Well, they're characteristics, right? You know, like uh, Charles here, his characteristics, he's really smart. He can understand things I wouldn't even know anything about. You know, he could come up to me and start talking about computer stuff, and I would look at him like a deer in the headlights. You know, I, the only computer I understand is that little one that, you know, does a little calculator stuff. That's about it, it's about as far as it goes. But that's his attribute, you know. We all have different attributes, you know, uh, like Claudia, my wife there, her attribute is we can have nothing in the house and she'll go in the kitchen and come out with a plate of wonderful food. And, you know, and, and I'm hoping for tacos all the time. So that's an attribute, right? That's what she's good at. So we're looking at what are God's attributes? What define him? What characterize him, right? And simply put, an attribute, an attribute is, a, is a word which describes what someone or something is like, right? 
<clears throat> and we use the word attribute when describing what God is like because, because attributes are, are words which we use to describe a quality or a feature or a characteristic of God. And we've got to remember what God we're talking about, though, right? The one and only true holy God. That's who we're going to be talking about. So these attributes are not going to fit any other God that you may have or hear about. So God's attributes are not like... They're not like the individual pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, right? Which, which when you put together, they make God, right? What he is. Rather, each attribute is, is completely describes what God is like. Okay, and we need to think about that. So they're not like pieces that we put together, this attribute and that attribute, and they go together to make God. No, God, our God, the one holy and true God, if he has an attribute, he's completely that attribute. Okay, and that's the kind of thing we need to think about. Um, so God is not like, in, in, for example, God is not part holy, right? He's not part love. He's not part righteousness. Our God is all holiness and he's all love and he is all righteousness completely in one package. But he has those attributes. He has them completely, but he has all of those attributes at once. And that's a big difference between the one holy true God and us and every other God that's made on this earth that, that people worship. Okay. And God's attributes, attributes, they're intrinsic, 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 I can't say this word, intrinsic to his being. Okay. That means they are only for his being. Right. In other words, th these, these, these are those attributes which make God what he is. He is those attributes that he shows to us, that he reveals to us. But that's what makes him what he is. And, and, and if God didn't have all these complete attributes, he wouldn't be God. But he is because he has them, right? And, and these are what these attributes we're talking about. And, and these attributes are not those which God has, okay? Like, Brother Charles has intelligence, okay? God doesn't have love. Our God is love. And th that's kind of the thing we kind of need to get our head wrapped around first because we're talking about God. We're not talking about, you know, Charles is intelligent and, and Claudia cooks well, right? And Mark, he can usually take things apart and put them back together and make them run. Those are attributes that were given to us by God, okay? But we're talking about God, the one holy God. So those attributes, they aren't what are given to him. They are what he is, Okay, and that's kind of the thing we need to get to is thinking about these attributes. So God's attributes, in order to help us better understand God's attributes, we may be able to, to classify them a little bit or, or categorize them. And I found some stuff that, that kind of helps us get there. And those attributes can be divided. God's attributes can be divided into two, two kind of categories, right? And the first one is the attributes of greatness, Okay. What attributes does God have that just are great, right? These attributes of greatness are those attributes which God possesses exclusively. Nobody else has these greatness. Nobody else planet has them. No other God has them. They're descriptive of our God, the one true God. And they're descriptive of this God alone. And these are never found in mankind. You're not going to find a man that has these attributes, Okay. And if, for example, the, these attributes we're talking about are sovereignty. He has complete sovereignty, right? He is 
omnipotence, right? He is omniscient and he is omnipresent. Nobody, no other entity, no other God, no other person has those. Even Satan, who was an angel of light, was, was high regard in heaven. He doesn't have them. You know, he doesn't have them. Only God has those. Nobody else has those. That's why Satan's running around the earth and he has so many demons that are helping him work, do his work because he can't be everywhere at once. And, how, and yet Satan knows this Bible. He knows what's coming. Okay? But that doesn't make him on the level of God because he he, he's still fighting against God because he thinks he can win. But we know he can't. Right? These are the attributes that nothing, nobody else but God has. Now, then you have the attributes of goodness. Now, now, attributes of goodness are those attributes which God possesses to a perfect degree. Okay, so when he has this attribute, he has 100% of it. Okay, and, and these may be found in limited degrees in mankind, right? Like, you know, uh, but not the same degree as they're found in God. And that's the difference. God has, like, talking about love. God has 100% of love. Now, we can have God's love, but we're still not going to be nowhere near 100% because we're imperfect, right? And, and you think about the, the examples of these would be wisdom that God gives us, right? We're not going to have 100% wisdom because then we would be on his level when we're not. Holiness. Love, mercy, grace, justice. We can all have parts of those, but we're not going to have the level that God has because God has 100% of each one of those, right? And then we have like a supreme attribute that we talk about. And, and people, you find debates about this for centuries or whether or not <clears throat> that God has a supreme attribute. And what we're talking about is, is holiness, okay? <clears throat> and this would be the one attribute that is more basic to God's character than all the rest of the attributes. Okay? And that's holiness. God possesses holiness. 100% complete and true holiness. Without blemish, remember? He was without blemish, without spot. There's nothing on this earth or nothing in this whole, anything that's being ever created that has that attribute of holiness. Our God has holiness. And it's good because he has that holiness so he can have all these other attributes, right? So God possesses all of these attributes to a perfect degree. And there does seem to be this one attribute, like I said, that best describes our God and characterizes God in which government governs and regulates all the other attributes that he has. Okay, and that's holiness. And let's look at Isaiah chapter 57. <clears throat> Excuse me. Isaiah 57. So one book back, Isaiah 57, 15. And we'll start off with the holiness of God. Isaiah 57, 15, the Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty, one that inhabiteth, inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, which him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the spirit of the contrite ones. So God is holy. 
And we need to get that first. We need to understand that. Nothing else that has ever been created is holy. Nothing. Nothing can even come to the level of holiness that God has. And that's why he is the awesome supreme God. That's why he is the one true God, because he is the only one that has his holiness. And we see this attribute of holiness, right? Holiness may be said to have this attribute that runs through the rest of God's attributes, but it overshadows them because he is that great. Okay. And he it is it is this attribute that is the attribute of attributes. He is holy. Okay? Nobody else has his holiness. Yet you'll see people today, what do you think they think of the Pope? People will give their lives, and they have over the centuries. They've given their lives and devoted their worlds and devoted everything, every bit of their energy to the Pope because they think he is holy. And yet he is sinful. He's, if you'll get down to it, he's evil. Okay? He is just like Satan, an angel of light, but he's deceptive. But people think he is the holiness of holies. If the Pope shows up, they'll drop on their face and kiss his feet. But he's a man. He don't kiss nobody's feet. Okay? That's God. God is the one that's holy, right? And this basic idea of the word of holiness is what is, is, is the idea of separation. God is separate from everything else both spiritual and physical and moral, right? That's holiness. He is completely separate. He is above everything. And this holiness, this attribute is the attribute of greatness because he is that awesome, okay? And we have to understand that this holiness is above everything. Holiness is, is there, okay? Because without that, he couldn't be our God because that means he would have a spot or he would have a blemish, but he doesn't. And we can't even, this is hard to, I know when I was looking at it, this is hard to even wrap your mind around, you know? Because you, you, we think of something here, you know, man, that's a perfect pumpkin pie. But yeah, it's probably going to have a, you know, a burnt crust on one side at least, right? There's nothing that's perfect, you know? Even in, in Charles's world, where he's, he's dealing with things that are just way above my level. You know, he can have something that where it's a perfect algorithm, but it's still going to have a fault somewhere. Because it's going to fail. There's nothing perfect. You know, in the, in the, in the, the realm of, of machinery, you know, they might make a, a spear that's completely, and they'll say, oh, they'll claim this is the most perfectly round spear. But I guarantee you, you get down deep enough, there's an imperfection. God doesn't have that. And we can't even, like I said, it's hard to even put our mind around complete and utter holiness. Okay? Without blemish at all. You know, there's just that's just almost impossible, you know, even when in the Old Testament talked, they talked about them bringing the first the first fruit. Right. So you're supposed to pick that that lamb out of your out of your flock. That's perfect. But even that lamb is not perfect. It's the most perfect you have. But it's not only if we put it on the level of perfection of God, you just don't even touch it. Right. So we have to understand that first. But let's get to Psalms chapter 50. <clears throat> and let's move on to looking at his attributes. Because this is the God that we're supposed to be following, right? This is the one that we're supposed to be serving and, and letting lead us. So let's see about this God. Psalm 50, and, and let's read 21 to 23. The Bible says, These things hast thou done, and, and, 
and I kept silence. Thou uh, thoughtest that I was altogether such as one as thyself, but I will reprove thee. I will set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there, there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Okay, well that word reprove there means to rebuke or to correct. Okay, and that word conversation, we're down there talking about to order his conversation. That's to order your conduct, right? So we see that right here we're talking about the difference between man and God. And there's a big difference between God and man. Huge difference, right? And the division is the way they refer to it in, in the commentaries, this stuff is it's called the, the creator uh, creature division, right? So there's a creator that is completely holy and perfect, and he created man. He created everything. So everything that's created by him is the creation, right? The creature. And there is a huge division because God's attributes of greatness are absolute. Like I said, they're 100%, right? And there's no human ever born or ever will be born that will even come close to that. Okay, so even though God's attributes of goodness are reflected in man, because we can have goodness, we can have love, right? We can have that. They're just, they're dim in comparison to his love. They're dim in comparison to his goodness, right? And that's what we're, 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 that's why we try to follow God. Because once we get saved, we try to, we're given his love. Now we have to increase in his love. Okay. So a fundamental basic understanding of God and his attributes is a proper understanding of the attributes of holiness. And that's why we started off with holiness. We have to understand that. So let's go to Psalms 147 and look at, look at our God a little bit closer. What the Bible tells us about him. Psalms 147, verse 5. In 147, verse 5, the Bible says, Great is our Lord, and of great power his understanding is infinite. Infinite, right? Infinite. What does infinite mean? It means innumerable. It means you cannot count it. You can't touch it. That means it's limitless. So our God is limitless in his holiness. He's limitless in everything he does. Every attribute he has is limitless, right? And that's one of them. He is, he's infinite, okay? That means he has no beginning and he has no end. He was here before everything was here. And he will be here long after everything is gone. And I actually heard a preacher that's supposed to be, a, or was at one time, I guess, a good preacher. I heard him on the radio talking about, oh, he, he, his doctrine has changed now. Now he says that God created everything, but he didn't create it from nothing. It was already here. You have lost your mind. You have lost your mind. And then he started teaching that the six days of creation weren't really six days. That between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there's, there's a huge spans of time. So this pastor has lost his mind. He's been deceived somewhere. Satan has got through his armor and changed his ideology. Okay? So why do you need to draw close to God? So that doesn't happen to you. Because he has lost his mind. Let's go to Ephesians 
Ephesians 3.20. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Think about those words right there. That's God. This God, he is able to do exceedingly, and that's not even enough, abundantly. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That's God. That's God right there. He can do exceedingly, abundantly above everything we can even think of. So we may be asking God for this. But he goes, you know what? I'm going to answer your prayer. And he does this. You know, he just... You know, you maybe you're, you're you know you're asking God. I need I'm I'm short this month. I need two hundred dollars. And if God decides, guess what? He's going to give you more than two hundred. He's going to probably give you. You know, I'm not not trying to give God's amounts, but for example, you need two hundred. He'll give you two thousand and a bag of groceries and a full tank of gas. And it's not going to be magical. He's going to put it on somebody's heart that that's following God to bring that to you. And that's how He works. Okay. Let's go to Ephesians 3.8. And that's just because God is, I'm telling you, he's so holy and he's so great. He knows what we need long before we needed it. You know, if you need that $200, he knew that, he knew, he knew that long before you were ever conceived. Where did I say? Philippians. I'm sorry. Ooh, getting way off. Next book over, Philippians 3.8. I was going back to Ephesians. Philippians. 3.8. The Bible says, Yea, doubtless, that I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I, am, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I may win Christ. So you may suffer and you may lose a lot of things, but keep following God because all those things don't matter. That's what we're trying to tell you. It doesn't matter on this earth. You know, if you get sick with a disease that, that's maybe, you know, it's a bad one like cancer. Praise God. His disease is already there. And, and if he heals the cancer, praise God. And if he lets cancer take you, praise God, because now you're gone. You're with him. Okay. It's all dung. It's nothing. He's already there. He's that great. Okay. And this is because God, why? Because God is so holy. He's incomprehensible. We can't understand him. And, and this meaning we'll never fully understand and know God. Never. Unless one day we get to heaven and he decides, okay, I'll give you that knowledge. But it's not even promised then. That's because God is infinite and we are what? We're finite. Okay, God has no beginning and he has no ending. But in the in the timeline of, of, of God, we have a little speck. We're just a little speck, you know, because we have a beginning and we have an end. Right. And our God is also sovereign. And this is one of those things that nobody else has. Our God is sovereign. The word sovereign means it has its root word, right? The root verb means to reign. Okay, that means to rule over. Okay, and, and then the prefix uh, sove is defined as super, right? And this means, this means over and above everything else. So sovereign is reigning and controlling over everything above everything else. 
So if you're sovereign, you're over everything. And the only thing we can even equate it to is like a king. Okay, so a king is sovereign over his country. A president is sovereign over their country. Right. And, but in, in the world of a king, you bow down to that king and you listen to everything he says. Okay, you kiss his feet. And whatever he says goes. Whatever laws he has goes. So if you have a God that's a king that's ran by God, you're lucky. If you have a king that's ran by the world, you're in trouble, right? But God is above that, okay? Because he is sovereign. And that it means God rules over everything. He rules over all, right? So let's look at some of the sovereignty. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy Chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, For the Lord your God, there you go right there, you got to make sure he's your God, right? For the Lord your God is, what? God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty God, and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. That's our God. He is, the, he is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. It says he is a great God. Not, you know, not some great God. He is the great God, okay? He's mighty and, and terrible. Now, we take the word terrible, we think, ooh, it's horrible. No, terrible means awesome. In this context, it means awesome. He is an awesome God. And that's a word from the 80s. Awesome. Um, he is an awesome God, and he, he, it says he doesn't regard persons. That means he doesn't care about the problems. Not that he doesn't care. He's not concerned with what's going on here as much as we think, okay? Because he's already in control. He knows how it begins. He knows how it ends, right? Uh, he is concerned about us, but it means he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hold one person in higher regard than another person, right? And why is that? Because he's that awesome, He's so far above that. He's not down here fighting with it, right? And that's our God. Let's look at Timothy, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> and let's read verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable un un until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, and that means display, who is the blessed and only potentate. I can't say it. That's the word. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. What does that word mean? Well, that word means a person who possesses great authority. Again, the only thing we could think about is a king or the pope. They actually call the pope this word. Okay? He possesses that much power. But here's the thing. The pope possesses that much power only on this earth. He has no power anywhere else. He has no power spiritually, nothing. And his power is only given to him by men that decide to follow him. Okay? But our God is the one. He is the one that rules over everything. Okay. So let's look at uh, Revelation 17, 14. Revelation 17, 14. I love these last few verses. They're awesome. Revelation 17, 14. 
the Bible says, <clears throat> these shall make war with the lamb. Okay. It's funny. I always thought that's so funny. Here you think about a little lamb, little, little lamb, little meek little lamb, little, little lamb. You think they can't do nothing. You know, the wolves eat the lambs up, but they're going to make war with this lamb one day. And uh, he's going to take them out. And the lamb shall overcome them. For why is he able to overcome them? Why is this little lamb over to able to come the whole world, right? Right here it is. Because he, for he, God, is the Lord of lords, the king of kings. And they that are with him, here we go. So he's the king of kings and the Lord of the lords. But this should make you shout right here. They that are with him are called chosen and faithful. Do you want to be called chosen and faithful with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? The Lamb that can step in here and just wipe out everything by just a thought? Or do you want to be one of those ones standing on the other side fighting against him with your little scrawny fist up, right? Yeah, we'll see how long you stand. King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that's awesome. Let's go to Revelation 19, 16. You want to know who your God is, how sovereign he is? Revelation 19, 16. The Bible says... And he hath on his vesture, this is when he comes back, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, Kings, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's in all caps. You know, when we text people today or we email, you don't want to do it in all caps because you're shouting, right? Well, why are they shouting here? Because he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And that's why it's in all caps. Because it is something you want to shout. You wouldn't want to whisper that. And when he comes back, when he comes back during this time right here, when he comes back on this day and it's on his vesture and on his thigh, he's not going to whisper. It's going to be a shout that the whole world will hear. And here's the thing. You can be an atheist. You can be a Muslim. You can be a Baptist. You can be a Mormon. You can be anything you want to be. But on this day, you will hear King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And here's the thing. And you're going to know who he is. Even if you've denied him all your existence and you fought against him, maybe you're part of a group that's anti-God and anti-everything. That day you're going to go, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Because why? I just heard a shout, King of Kings and Lord of Lords is here. You know, that's like when we're you know, kids and, and you're in high school and you're doing something you shouldn't and the principal walks in. You go, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Right, Claudia? That was you. Always in trouble, you know. It's like my grandson. We tell him to go to sleep at night, right? But he'll sneak around and get his little tablet and turn it on. And we'll go down the hallway. I'll turn that doorknob real slow. And as I'm opening the doorknob, I can see the light from it, right? And as soon as that door cracks, you see the light go, because he flips it over, because he knows he's in trouble. That's what these people are going to be doing that day. Except it's not just going to be a, you know, a popping on the bottom, right? They're going to be in serious trouble because they're going to hear the shout of the King of the King and Lord of Lords. That's your sovereign God. So he's the God of gods. He's the Lord of Lords. He's a great God, as we've seen. He's a mighty God. He's a terrible God, which is awesome. He's an awesome God. He is, he is the blessed, and he is the only, uh, I can't say it, potentate. Okay? He's the only one that has that sovereignty. He can, give, he can give sovereignty to other people on this earth. And he, he's given presidents and he's given kings and he's given rulers because that's who he chose at that time. But they're nowhere near him. Okay? Because he chose them. That's power. That is amazing, right? So let's go to Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. 
First Chronicles, way back in the Old Testament. Hope you are learning something about your God that you're supposed to be following. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. The Bible says, Thine, O Lord, and this is David speaking, right? Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from thee. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. So David's telling us what? Basically, God has dominion and control over everything. That's hard to understand, but he has control over everything from the littlest little molecule to the greatest thing that we could even think we could build, to the biggest mountain, to the most terrible volcano, to the biggest hurricane, God controls it. He made it, He knows it's happening, and He is in control of it. He is over everything. And then it says, all riches and honor come from Him. So if you're on this earth and you've got a lot of money, God gave it to you. Okay? If you've got fame, God allowed you to have it. Okay, because even those people that have fame that are evil, God allowed them to have that fame because their evil is going to be used to his good. Okay, so go on. We'll talk about them later. But he controls everything. All wrenches and honor come from God. He rules over everything. This is his sovereignty. This is the God you need to know. Right. Why would you want to follow another sovereignty? Why would you want these people that dedicate their lives to Satan and hail Satan? You've lost your mind. That's like you're following the vice president. I want to follow the president. Right? right? Mm -mm. Okay, Psalms 22. Let's go there for a second. Y'all getting me way off track. It's mama. I know she's getting me off track. Psalms 22. Verses 27 and 28, <clears throat> the Bible says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto, what? The Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among all the, uh, among the nations. Okay, so what are we seeing here? Well, all kingdoms, everything. Every kingdom that's ever been, every kingdom that's standing today, and every kingdom that's to come, guess what? They're all his. And he, they're not only are they his, he governs them. He controls them. He allowed them to happen. He knew they were going to happen. He allowed them to run their course, but he was still in control of them. You know? And you think about all the, the times, you know, the Hebrews were taken into captivity. You know, it's horrible. But God allowed that to happen because they were being disobedient. And he wanted them to come to him, turn to him. You know, the Holocaust and Hitler, horrible, right? God allowed that for his glory to try to get people to say, hey, 
Turn to me. I'm your God. I will take care of you. And he did. Guess what? He raised up America to go save the save them. Because if, if America wouldn't have been here and if America wouldn't have been founded by God and, and built by God and controlled by God, guess what? Hitler would have took over this whole earth. He had, he had stomped Europe into the dirt. There was nothing much left that could stand against him. But God raised up a country called America. And you don't think America's great? It's great because of God, not because of what we are. Okay? I mean, you just look at the history of America. Another sermon for another day. So let's look at Psalms 103. Psalms 103, verse 19. One hundred three, verse nineteen. The Bible says, "The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all." That's awesome, right? So, here we see that you know we have rulers on this earth that have their thrones here, right? Where's God's throne? It's in heaven. So He's so far above this earth. He's so far above everything, right? He made His throne in heaven, and He's still governor over all, right? right? That's like a mayor of a city. That's their throne, right? But there's a president that's, you know, over the country. Well, guess what? God's over that president. God's over everything. Even when the Antichrist take over the whole earth and he controls the whole earth and there's one world order and one world religion, guess what? God's still in control. He's still even above that. But they'll be down here thinking they're so great because they got one world government and one world religion. You ain't got nothing. Okay, you ain't got nothing except what God allowed you to have. Let's go to Romans chapter nine. Romans chapter nine. Man, my time is gone. Y'all are messing me up. Romans nine fourteen to twenty one. <clears throat> Let's read fast. Romans chapter nine verses fourteen to twenty one says, "What shall we say then? Is is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid." For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on, on whom I will have mercy on, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose I have raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will hardeneth. Thou wilt say unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that resisteth, replieth against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? There's that creature thing, creature creator thing right there. Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter the power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? That's God, right? God creates everything. He's the boss of everything. But why is that? Because he created it. He can do with it as he wants to. Right? And we're talking about Pharaoh there. He made Pharaoh's hard, hard, his hard heart hardened. To bring glory to God, to show, okay, yeah, this Pharaoh can resist all these plagues, but in the end, in the end, I'm going to show glory and I'm going to bring my people out of this land. That was all for God. 
Okay? And God knew Pharaoh was a hardened heart, right? He even had a hard enough heart to send his army after him. And God said, okay, come on, follow us into the Red Sea. We're going to see how this goes for you. And it didn't go well for them, right? Because what was Pharaoh doing? He was shaking his fist at God. He was the created and he was shaking his fist against the creator. And you'll lose every single time, right? Okay. And God has the right to, to rule over us any way he sees fit because he created us. Okay. Let's go to a few more verses. Let's go to Job real quick. Go back to Job. Job 23. Look at a few verses about his sovereignty and how great he is. Job 23, 13. The Bible says, but he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what, what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. So what we're talking about here, we're talking about that nobody can change God's mind. Nobody can change his plans. Nobody can affect what he wants because it's his plan. He created it, and he's going to have his way because he's that great and that sovereign. Okay? Nobody can change it. Job 42. Let's go there. Job 42, verse 2. The Bible says, I know that thou canst do, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. No thought can be withholden from thee. What's he talking about there? He's talking about that nothing, nothing can be withheld from God. You can't hide from God. You can't do anything without God's knowledge of it. You can't do anything without God's permission. Okay? You can't do anything to change the purpose of God and the goal of God. Nothing that God has planned in your life or in anywhere else in this earth can be stopped. So what do you need to do? You need to follow God. Just follow God. Psalms 115. Psalms 115. One fifteen, and Let's read verses 2 through 4. Psalms 115, verses 2 through 4. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever, whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Right? So our God is what? That's our God versus their God. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he wants. And their gods are made of silver and gold. And they can rot. They can burn, they can tarnish, and they can't do anything. That's our God versus their God. Why? Because he's sovereign, right? Let's look at Psalms 135. Psalms 135 and verses 5 through 6. Let's read 1 through 6. Let's look at this. Psalms 135, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord, praise him, O ye servants of the Lord, that's us, ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good, sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleaseth that he, he that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. 
So God does whatever he pleases with his creation and for his creations, right? Let's go to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Let's read uh, 9 through 11. The Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no one else. I am God. Are y'all getting that? I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are, are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that, that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken of it. I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it. I will also do it. So God controls the past. He controls the present. He controls the future. And he will do as he pleases. Why? Because I am God. I'm not a God. I am God. I'm not even the God. Do y'all get that? I am God. Those are some powerful words. Powerful words. Let's look at Daniel. One more chapter or one more verse, guys. Daniel 4. Daniel 4. Daniel 4:35. The Bible says, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. What does reputed mean? It means considered. So all the inhabitants of the earth are considered as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no, no one can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That's an amazing verse, right? Look at that. No one, no one can stop God's hand. No one can stop anything he has planned. No one can stand in his way, but no one can even come up to God and go, what are you doing? How many times your spouse come up to you? What are you doing? How dare you do that? No one can even get to that level. Even Satan has to ask permission from God to do what he does. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, that would be a sovereign God, wouldn't it? So we see that God does as he pleases with his creation, right? He created it. Guess what? He controls it, okay? So we're going to stop there, and we'll go into more of his sovereignty next week, okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just to thank you for this moment to open your Bible to just... Lord, just learn how holy and just how sovereign you truly are, Lord, and that there's none like you, and Lord, there's none above you, Lord, and that you do what you will, when you want to, and how you want it, and, and it's all for your glory, not for our glory, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, just to let us consider, consider this holy God that we have, Lord, and, and Lord, that we may start following you closer, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.